But this is Duca on the move for Montreal. Billy Duca, let's see what he does. A left foot shot, that's in! Billy Duca beat his man, and the Rutgers product makes it 1-0 Montreal. This is Off the Woodworks with Kevin Laramie, the longest-running podcast entirely dedicated to the Montreal Impact. It's wide open now, Malice, plenty of room. As Pachuca have five players lined up across the back. An opportunity! Good day, good night, and welcome to a playoff post-game edition of Off the Woodworks. Wow, what a momentous occasion, and to celebrate tonight's victory, I did not want to talk alone to a microphone tonight. I wanted to talk to somebody that I know watched the game and enjoyed it, and watched both games tonight, actually. I'm joined tonight by Daniel Firestein, my good friend from New York, who does uh, Firestein's Fire American Soccer Show, tons of other shows. Welcome to the show, Daniel. Ah, unbelievable, Kevin. I mean, my goodness, what what games we had tonight. I mean, I know the other, the second one on the West Coast with Portland sporting Kansas City was absolutely unbelievable. But, you know, Montreal, uh, the impact, just taking out Toronto. You know, we talked about it off the air the last time they were in the wild card game uh, in Houston in 2013. Uh, just this, this, you know, that performance was just not good to talk about. But Montreal absolutely dominated this one and done. They were absolutely on fire. The momentum from the last game of the regular season. Of course, Toronto had to stay over for this one. My God, how Montreal looked so much better, so much more passion, so much more uh, fire in the belly, and they properly took out Toronto FC three and 3-0, Montreal came out of the block strong this time, not like last week, or well, earlier this week basically, Sunday. They came out strong in the first half, in the first minutes, Piatti almost scored at three minutes in, and it was just a great effort by a team, it wasn't just DJ Drogba, it wasn't any one single player, well maybe Bernier uh, mixed with Piatti, let's start there, Patrice Bernier with a career defining moment when he got that goal, the first Canadian playoff goal in history, scored by a Canadian, for a Canadian team, scored by a Canadian, and it's Patrice Bernier, a guy that's, uh, you would say redemption is the name of that goal, you would not Absolutely. be wrong. Absolutely, it's definitely uh, redemption, and not just a Canadian uh, Kevin, French-Canadian, French-Canadian, scoring for a French-Canadian football club like the Montreal Impact, and how he was able to beat uh, Chris Kanapka to the far post. That was an unbelievable shot that I thought Kanapka should have had, but he didn't. He missed it, and Patrice Bernier buries that chance. It's just a great shot, great opportunity. And let's not forget, great working with Ignacio Piazzi oh, to Piazzi. make that goal happen. I mean, I could not believe that looked like, to me, Clinton Mathis in his prime going from one end to the other, even though... Mathis did it all by himself. This was Bernier with help from Piatti and how they were able to thread the ball through the defenders. 
I mean, that was just unbelievable what you saw. They thread the ball through the Toronto defenders, and Bernier on the right foot bends it inside the far post for the early goal in the 18th minute. Josh Williams, defender for Toronto FC, had his hands full all night long with Ignacio Piatti. Piatti was able to make him look even worse than usually. And that's not necessarily easy to do, but he did it. And he, the way he had close control of the ball, which confused Williams, because when you have close control of the ball, it's hard to tackle the attacker because it's... Uh, easier to make a mistake and get that tackle wrong and do a some a slide tackle that can get a red card very easily. So Josh Williams was hesitant every time Piatti was with the ball close to him and every time Piatti passed him, used that space behind him to then either create a, a chance on goal, create a goal like he did with that Bernier goal, a great uh, through ball that just set the space up for Bernier and even Drogba was all alone on that same play on the other side so there was a possibility of a pass or of a rebound by Drogba there so it was almost a for sure goal the way Piatti set it up and you can tell Piatti was in a good great shape great state of mind and uh, the, the injury or the health status of his dad from a couple of well, months ago now has really uh, gone to the foreground because he is back through creativity. We saw him do on a higher stage, granted, but he did do all season long. But uh, here, it's reminiscent of the impact of the CONCACAF Champions League, Dan, but even mm-hmm. better. Uh, this Montreal Impact team that we saw in the first 45 minutes, then they could hold off and second half they just did what they had to do but the first half the way they played those 45 minutes was really impressive and it was uh the team of the moment right now in the league i believe no i right now they are they are right now a team in the league at the moment because they wanted it more badly than toronto did not saying toronto didn't want it that that much but you can tell that montreal was in a second third fourth gear you knew that they were going to attack. You knew that they were going to try and just throw TFC off their game. And they did so. I mean, that Piatti goal. I mean, let's be honest with ourselves. What a bad pass that, by Contari. That was a terrible back pass. That's and Williams slips, pass. so he can't get it. That's another part of Williams and Piatti. All game long duel between Williams and Piatti was really interesting. And every time Piatti won those duels, every time I might be exaggerating, uh, Williams might have won one or twice in the whole game. But on that specific play on the Piatti goal, Contari uh, gets the ball back from Kanapka. He tries to pass it to Williams. A very bad pace. It's not the right weight of pass. It's very uh, slow and it's like bumpy just getting to Williams. And Williams slips. He can't get it. Piatti took the ball over, cuts in, just... Williams can't do nothing. He's already passed by and then just slots it far post. Konopka can't do nothing. And Montreal's got a 2 nothing league and it's, what, 32nd minute? Yep, 33rd, actually 33rd minute. And then six minutes later, this is why Didier Drogba is such a dangerous player. Not because he's played for Chelsea, not because he played for Jose Mourinho, but because he knows where to be placed by himself. He knows where to place himself in an area where the keeper has no idea where he is. I mean, he was, like third- on, he was on the third wave of the attack almost in that goal because it's a mm-hmm. Bernier does all the work. He gets almost into a breakaway into the right. Then the shot is blocked. He gets the ball back. Then he looks and he sees DJ all alone in the far post. And it takes him two attempts to get the ball there before Bernier can do the assist on that goal. But once the ball gets to Drogba, Drogba's all alone, slots it really easily into the net and if you look that replay carefully the way the camera films it 
Mm-hmm. You see Drogba all of, all the time, making sure he's onside, going a little back deeper in case there's a second uh, a second rebound. Then he sees he's going to get the ball, so he gets back into the right onside position. It, yep. It's really fun to see that uh, that play the way it was filmed. You see the Drogba work, his work, uh, his work rate basically yep. very defined. It's clear, and it's uh, just an example of what he does when when he's scoring, but even when he's not. No, absolutely. And like I said before, he knows where to put himself in a position where the defenders, they're hovering around him, but they haven't closed him down. And he gets into those positions where, like you just said, Kevin, that he finds a way to convert a chance when the ball is at his feet or when they cross him the ball. When they see Drogba wide open, which he was, the defenders were hovering around him. They weren't close enough to defend against him. He finds an easy way to slot that ball past the keeper, past Kanapka. And just like that, like you said, the first 45 minutes belonged to Montreal. Toronto was playing catch-up all second half long. Basically, this was all Montreal. And they advance into the Eastern Conference semis to take on the Columbus crew, which they will host the first leg on November the 1st at 5 p.m. Eastern. I believe 5 p.m. or 7 7 p.m. Eastern. 7 p.m. Eastern, pardon me, uh, which will be seen here in the U.S. on Fox Sports 1. Uh, I believe in Canada will be seen on TSN. TSN and RDS, absolutely. Yeah. And it's going to be very interesting to see how Montreal recovers, how they actually try to recuperate before the game. It's a short turnaround. It'll be the third game in seven days well eight days from sunday to sunday you could say it's going to be eight days but Mm -hmm. the third game you had a sunday game against toronto last sunday Mm -hmm. today uh, tonight against toronto at home very emotional games too very emotionally draining but it's two victories so maybe that adrenaline is going to help montreal but then they got this sunday 7 p.m columbus crew are coming to stad saputo to uh, spoil the party, it's been a, quite a party lately with Didier Drogba at Stad Saputo. And that bell rang three times tonight. Tony Marinaro was at the bell tonight. He rang it three times for the 1642 supporters of the Montreal Impact. Daniel, one we could talk a little bit about Toronto. Basically, they didn't show up. But uh, let's talk about Jovinko. There was a lot of hype before the game. The playoff, Drogba versus Jovinko, even though it's hard to be because they're both like on opposite side of the field at the same time. But what I mean is Jovinko was almost absent tonight, except uh, once or twice on free kicks, he was dangerous. But he wasn't a shadow of the man he was three weeks ago. You know, the truth of the matter is this, is that Toronto... First ever playoffs, um, you know, just getting there, never been there. You know, you can understand a little bit maybe that once they clinched the playoff spot against the Red Bulls, that, you know, sometimes, you know, they're probably prepared. They're probably ready to go. But sometimes I've seen it. You've seen it with Montreal sometimes. I've seen it with the Red Bulls sometimes. When you're not mentally ready when the opening whistle blows – uh, sometimes it's just tough to play catch-up. Toronto, you know, they put themselves into a deep hole and they just couldn't get out of it. So who knows? Like the last time Montreal, they didn't have a great performance against Houston back in 2013. But for Toronto, maybe this is their little, uh, okay, we finally made it. Let's see what it's like. And it just wasn't the way that they probably wanted it to happen. So uh, they just, you know, they, unfortunately it's over. And um, some of the players 
for Toronto FC will go the respective national teams like Altador and Bradley for World Cup qualifying for the United States. Uh, whoever's Canadian on Toronto will go play for Canada against both Honduras and El Salvador. So, you know, it's just a shame that they probably couldn't make it better. But my God, Montreal just on point, on target, and just destroying Toronto right now. Advantage Montreal right now. Can you imagine? Put yourself into a Montreal supporter's shoes right now. In not even a span of one week, you not, did not just qualify for the playoff. You qualified with home field advantage against your rival of forever, the 401 Derby, which happened twice in the last five days. Two Montreal victories. Goals galore for Montreal, which you're not used to see. And it's against a rival, and it's a playoff. That that memory of Houston is now forgotten with that three nothing win. It was a three nothing loss, if I can remember correctly, against Houston with three red cards. So now with that three nothing win, that memory is forgotten, and we're going into brand new territory with a team that's used to the home and away series having won more than they lost in this calendar year because of the CONCACAF Champions League final. Daniel, uh, let's go this way. Do you think the experience of the impact in the CONCACAF Champions League this year is going to help them into the home and away series? Because in one game, a one-off is a one-off. But in the home and away series, there's a certain way to play it, to conserve energy, to to just uh, accommodate to the different environment of playing on the road. Do you think the experience that Montreal did have in Mexico, in Costa Rica, uh, and Honduras this year is going to help them? Yes, I think it will help them up to a certain point. Now, let's not forget, you didn't have Drogba all the way back at the start of the 2015 season. Uh, you still had Frank Klopas as your head coach at the time. Uh, Biello right now is your interim, who seems to have gotten the pulse of his team. They're doing very well right now. They, uh, they have uh, at least some form of an advantage with that Champions League knockout stage that they had uh, against these, the Mexican clubs, uh, Costa Rican club. And, of course, uh, unfortunately, not a great result at the end against Club America that, of course, won their won the championship at the Olympic Stadium. I but know. Still, I was there both games. You were there both games, you lucky boy. But still, um, <laughs> but honestly, um, there is an advantage. But you know what, though? It helps when you have a man like DDA Drogba. And I know you're going to keep on saying his name, but the truth of the matter is this. How many, how many UEFA Champions Leagues uh, has he been in? I mean, let's not forget that the big <laughs> and, title that he helped Chelsea win. Never mind uh, all that, Daniel. How many players score 12 goals in 12 games? That's, that's absolutely correct. No matter what age, no matter where he played, no matter what league, it's impressive. It and, is. And uh, at the beginning... Me and Dwayne on Two Saltos, we had this conversation of what does it say about MLS when a 37-year-old striker comes into the league and is dominating? But I think that question is being turned around and it's just not necessarily deprecating the MLS now, but it's just showing how good DDA is playing. But not just that, how much of the project of the Montreal Impact he actually bought in because we saw him play in Galatasaray. We Mm -hmm. saw him play in in Shanghai, Shanghai for the Chinese Mm -hmm. team. Mm-hmm. And he did not play there, those two teams, the way he's playing for Montreal. He's playing you for Montreal the way he's playing for Chelsea. You want to know why? Because he didn't feel like this was his team. He felt like being uh, in Turkey and in China, you know, it wasn't... He might have felt truly, like a mercenary. Yeah. yeah, maybe so. But the truth of the matter is this. He didn't embrace it the way he's embraced Montreal. He has not embraced 
this league like he has those other two places he went to. I don't think he felt that he was considered to be part of the team, or shall shall we say, you know, um, maybe that the coaches used him the wrong way. Maybe he just quickly gave up and said, you know what, if you're not going to use me the right way, I won't perform as hard. I'm not saying it's the right way to go, but when you see him performing and you see him being here and you see – let's put it this way, uh, Kevin. Let's go back to the scene at the Montreal International Airport. Yeah, he when was not he saw all those, When he saw all those fans cheering for him, not just former expatriates of the Ivory Coast, but – Fans of the impact. Fine, there's probably some Chelsea fans here and there that, that live there. But the truth of the matter is this. When he came down the stairs and he held the scarf of the impact right in front of them, and then later on he gets his smartphone and he does the video recording for his own selfie to show everyone, look at what is here for me. That shows you why Drogba bought in. Not just because it's MLS, not just because it's Montreal, not just because everyone can speak the same language in French or whatever, but the truth of the matter is how he was received, how he was greeted, everything that he wanted is right there. And you can tell he's playing as a member of a team. Yeah, you know, he's going to be his own man, of course, and he wants the ball whenever he wants it, but I'm telling you right now, and here's the real shame of it all, and I'm going to go back to another Frenchman that used to play for my club in the New York Red Bulls. Thierry. If Thierry Henry was still here and Didier Drogba comes in, could you imagine what the billing would be between Henry and Drogba? Because you're talking about, oh, my God, these two you know, used to play against each other in the, in the Premier League. You've got They're Chelsea prime, versus right? Arsenal. It's Montreal versus New York. It's not Rangers-Canadians. I know that. But still, though, New York versus Montreal, I mean, it's still a huge thing in any sport. No, absolutely. And uh, one thing that all really impresses me is not just the way Didi Drogba is playing on the field, but it's the way he acclimatized to the city, to everything, and to the way he uh, likes everything surrounding this club. An anecdote that happened today, and it might seem weird, but it explains the mindset and just the nice aspect of his personalities that we don't get to see every day if you're not part of the club or inside, if you don't have the privileges of uh, going to the locker room like we do, you don't necessarily get the whole profile and the whole uh, personality of Didi Drogba. Today, uh, there was a uh, like a four to seven show on RDS. It's like a round table, but not necessarily a round table. It's like two guys hosting and they go to cut interviews out the, everywhere. Anyways, it's, it's kind of like a three hours pregame whatever show, okay? So mm-hmm. they're talking to one journalist, Philippe Cantin, that's actually outside Saputo. He's mm-hmm. talking. He's got the, the stadium in the background, like at the, the pitch. So he's in the stands. Mm-hmm. DJ Drogba passed behind. He sees the guys going in his life, so he stops behind him, and he's playing hide-and-seek with a camera <laughs> with a journalist on a live on a live TV, live TV hitch. And I thought it illustrates perfectly. It's a playoff game. It's a first home playoff game. It's 525. It's an hour and a half. The doors are going to open like in half an hour. And he's joking. He's not having fun. And he's maybe people would get, they would say he's too laid back, but there's not, there's no such thing in a pressure cooker environment like professional sports of being too laid back because it does give you more rely. It give it does a lot of things, but it just ex- expresses his personality. And I just love the anecdote that happened today with, uh, with Philippe Cantin on RDS. Let me tell you something. That just goes to show you that Didier Drogba knows how to handle himself when you're talking about a big-time match, whether it's a one-and-done or it's a two-leg series. He's relaxed. 
He knows what to do. He knows what he needs to do to when he has the ball at his feet. He knows what he needs to do whether he crosses the ball to a teammate to score or when he gets the ball from a teammate and he puts it in. And he showed it once again. He shows it once again why he's one of the best strikers in the world. Amazing at the age of 37, they still has it. At the age of 37, Kevin, he still has not just the pace but the desire to go forward and you think to yourself, why did he bother going to Turkey? Why did he bother going to China when he should have just came straight over when, the, when his time at Chelsea was over? He should have just came straight to Major League Soccer and he should have just signed with Montreal and say, you know what, I want to come here. Sign me up. That would have been great. Uh, one thing you mentioned earlier, you mentioned Frank Klopas, and I want to talk about it because the way Biello's adjusting his tactics, his scheme... His players, his formation, to where where he puts his player and what he asks him to do, is very different than what Klopas used to do. Uh, Bielo is adjusting to the situation a lot better than Klopas did, because actually Bielo is adjusting and not just doing the same damn change of the same damn starting eleven all the time, no matter what the situation calls for. Bielo is a more reactive type of manager, and so far his decisions have been great. Last week, Venegas was having a bad game. He was not using the space and the width that he could. And he was available, but he couldn't. They made the switch. Duca used it perfectly. This week, they switched a little bit to put Piatti a little bit more left-centric. To be able to for him to use that space that Biello saw last week. And looked at what we saw today. Piatti had a field of a game. Was able to do whatever he wanted with the midfielders and defenders. And that's because... He had the space and was put at the right spot schematically. Yes, it flows. There's ebb and flow to a game and the formation is not always present and it's not always discernible and sometimes it's just a, a mix and match of whatever. Right. But in the majority of the time, Piatti was positioned more on the left and was able to use the instinct that he had back in San Lorenzo because he was a left winger there. So uh, that was used and Klopas would have never maybe have done that because, well, we don't know if he would have, but through experience and hindsight, what how he adjusted to games, we didn't see that. So, Biello really has an effect on the team. It's not just Drogba in the last 12 games. I think Mauro Biello has the, a big say in the result of the Montreal Impact. No, absolutely. And I got to tell you right now, Biello's doing a great job. I, I would say right now, what's the point of finding a new head coach when you have one right there? Apparently, he has an offer on the table, but they don't want to talk about it during the season. Oh, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if the first day after either the Montreal Impact season is over or they win the Cup. There's only two ways it can end now. I think yeah. he's going to, the next day he's announced that he's going to be the coach for the future. No, absolutely. I mean, that's a great move, and that's, that's the idea right there. Don't think about it. Don't talk about it. Don't even bother with it. Just let the season go the way it is and then when the season's over depending on where they finish up either uh either advancing past or losing in the eastern conference semifinals maybe making the final and losing there maybe they even get to the final you never know because i'm telling you right now i'm being honest here i think montreal right now is a dark horse montreal right now is on a level where when drogba came you sense something big was happening and it's huge and depending on who their opponents are going to be, which now we know it's Columbus Crew, they're going to be hosting the Crew this coming Saturday. I mean, uh, Sunday, Sunday, and then, then the following Sunday they travel to Columbus. Um, you know, this is a big test for this Montreal side. What they do at home, 
Uh, can they prevent Columbus scoring an away goal? We'll see what happens. Away goals rule is implemented in uh, MLS in the playoffs right now, and we'll see what happens. But at this particular point in time, there is some very interesting moments happening here, and Montreal right now is showing why they can be and could be a dark horse in this Eastern Conference side of the playoffs. No, absolutely, Daniel. And Columbus, a team that has a bye week because of the bye in the first round of the playoff. They finished second in the Eastern Conference, second next to the Red Bulls, who won the Supporters' Shield this year. Uh, That week, you know, Montreal is going into the playoff with a momentum. They finished strong with two away wins, a home game win against Toronto, a game today, so it's a four-win game streak, if I'm not mistaken. Four-win streak for the Montreal Impact. They didn't have Sephora loss before that, but they had a great result since Drogba and Bielo came, yes. But over the last month, they've been on fire. And the MLS Cup playoff usually rewards the teams that comes in hot. You remember just Galaxy from last decade. You remember... Houston, who used, even though they were a wildcard team, made it to the final twice because they were hot coming into the playoffs. Montreal's coming to the playoff hot and it's continuing with their win tonight. Do you think it's going to continue or do you think maybe Columbus is going to be rested up or maybe that bye week is going to haunt Columbus? What is your type of prediction? Do you think Columbus would have benefited or maybe it would have hindered them that bye week? You know, last year, the New York Red Bulls had to use the wild card game to get to the Eastern Conference semifinals against D.C. United. And D.C. United did not perform well in the first leg at Red Bull Arena. The Red Bulls basically took over after the first 10 minutes. It was all D.C. And then the Red Bulls took over after those first 10 minutes, and they just pounced them on them. They won 2-0 the first leg. They went to RFK. Uh, it was 2-1 on aggregate. And then Henri to Luyendula for the away goal to make it 3-1. On aggregate with the away goal, of course, uh, with the advantage. And even though it ended 3-2, you just got to say that these types of games, uh, if you're in the wild card game, that's been giving you momentum into the next game. And plus you're at home. So uh, right now you just have to say at the moment, and I'll be honest, I think right now it's advantage Montreal. Uh, I would probably agree with you but i still need to see how good montreal recuperates because they're back in training tomorrow it's so close to the game they cannot even afford to not even train for two days because you got two days to prepare for the crew granted the crew only got a couple days to prepare for montreal too but they had a week prior to prepare for both scenarios so we'll see which team gets to know the other one better and we see if kai kamara or dj drogba is the better striker in the playoff. And has it looking, maybe Kamara's got more goals. But if Drogba would have played just a handful of more games, he would have surpassed him probably. Absolutely. And I really believe that... Uh, I, I mean, right now, you know, Kai Kamara versus Didier Drogba, you know, who's going to score what, when, and how? So all I can say is it's just been unbelievable what we have seen. And, uh, you know, honestly... It's just, <laughs> you know, I, I'm still shaking my head how Toronto just was not there ready to go. I don't know. But I'll say this right now. Wait, it's all can advantage. you imagine being a Toronto supporter and having to wait nine years for this? You, I actually saw a couple of them in the, in 
the subway. So when I walked in, I saw them and I looked at them. I'm like, <laughs> I almost felt bad. Huh. I shouldn't have, but I was like, hey, guys. You were like, damn, what the fuck happened? It was this weird game and it's uh, def- like they didn't show up. That's the feeling that the fans, the traveling supporters for Toronto had. And for the Montreal fans, it's probably the best scenario they could have ever dreamed of. Yeah, absolutely. Not only did they get home field advantage by beating Toronto in the last game of the season and that now famous October Classic, but they won a game in the playoffs against their better rival, 3 nothing, eliminating them, putting a damper on their glorious season and putting a damper on their results this year too because it doesn't look that good now in Toronto and you can't really call it a success because of the way this game happened today. So no. for all that, if you're a Montreal supporter, you're on cloud nine tonight. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And right now, uh, I'm not saying you shouldn't go completely crazy, but you know, maybe be a little bit reserved. You never know. Still, though, this has been a fabulous, fabulous night for the Montreal Impact, defeating your rivals in Toronto FC 3-2. All right. Thank you very much, Daniel, for joining us on Off the Woodworks post-game edition on the Sports Podcasting Network. You can listen to Daniel and myself on the Uncensored Hockey Show right here on SPN. If you'd like to contribute, be a patron, help support the show, help us with our vision of new microphones, logos, with the logos popping up at different press conferences in North America in the future, that's our vision. SPN will be out there and help us achieve that vision. Go to patreon.com slash Kevin Laramie. And with your help, we can only do more, but we can achieve our vision and do more. And until next time, have a great soccer.